Pastor Stephen Brooks. Why don't you grab your Bibles and meet me in the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 4. And let's jump into the Word of God this morning and talk about what the Bible identifies as the Spirit of Faith. Hallelujah. Heavenly Father, we ask that your Holy Spirit would come right now, bringing fresh illumination and anointing concerning the Scriptures. Let them come alive to us by the power of your Holy Spirit. Now, Father, we thank you for this in the name of Jesus, and we all together agree and say, Amen. Now, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, let's drop down to verse 7. The Bible says, but we have this treasure in earthen vessels. What is the treasure that the Apostle Paul is referring to here? Well, that would be uh, defined to us through the above verse, which calls this treasure the knowledge of the glory of God. So this treasure that resides on the inside of you, on the inside of me, within the heart of every believer, is the treasure of the glory of the knowledge, excuse me, the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. I think it's interesting that it says, in the face of Jesus Christ. Now, that would be verse 6. The knowledge of the glory of God, it's revealed to us through the face of of the Lord Jesus Christ, and this knowledge is placed within our hearts. You know, there are certain things that maybe a poet wrote, uh, you know, maybe 200 years ago or 150 years ago, but because it was so long ago, uh, where we didn't have an audio or video recording of their poetry. And some things, as we read them and we study certain writings, we have to ask ourselves, well, when this was written, what is the tone or the context? Was the author, as he wrote this, was he happy? Can we identify this as being something that was written that was happy? Or is he angry? Is he in a bad mood? Or is he disappointed or heartbroken? Or what's taking place with this writing? Well, what's fascinating about the things of God is that uh, the Lord Jesus, his face reveals to you his tone his mood, and and I know that there have been times recorded in the Bible where the Lord got angry, and he, uh, one of the great examples of flipping over the uh, tables of the money exchangers and things like that, and going through the temple, and carrying a whip. Wow, that that's phenomenal. So we see that facet of the Lord, uh, but that's not um, who he was most of the time. Now, when I grew up in church, we were under a lot of legalism. Uh, and legalism suppresses the life of God. And so our view of God was that pretty much God was in a bad mood. And because we thought God was in a bad mood, it put most of us in a bad mood. And we thought God was mad at us. We thought God was mad at the world. God's mad at the sinners. And there's uh, really nothing you can do to please God. And those types of viewing God or those images of viewing God like that cause you to go over into a mode where you don't really want to look up to God. You rather stir down at his toes. You don't feel worthy to look at him in the eyes. And it creates a very demeaning, even a degrading uh, view of yourself and of the potential of living life. So my friends, when you look at the knowledge of the glory of God, which is revealed in the face of Jesus Christ, you carry this treasure around with you because you are somehow able to identify 
and it, this identification takes place through the Holy Spirit, you're somehow able to identify the expression on the Lord's face. You know what makes him happy, and you also know what makes the Lord say, hey, stay away from that, and let's not get involved in that anymore. You, you can read his face by the Holy Spirit, and this is a treasure. This is a treasure, because as you go through the Bible, uh, which is a large book, uh, you know, some people interpret certain scriptures different ways. But when it really comes down to it, what is the mood of God when he said that? And also in light of uh, a New Testament perspective, uh, that the Old Testament came through, the, uh, let's take, think about the law for a moment. The law came through Moses. But uh, John said that gr uh, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. So when you think about Moses, you think about this man that had a tough demeanor, leading 3,000, excuse me, 3 million Israelites through the wilderness, and all of the difficulties and trials, and giving them the law, the rules that God said cannot be broken. And so he was a very iron-willed type person uh, uh, with a very stern face. But when you think about Jesus, that grace and truth, the new covenant came through Jesus, you, you don't see that type of hardness. Now, he can be strong, and yes, he can still get angry at times, but you still see predominantly uh, God expressed through Jesus with love, with grace, with mercy, with compassion, with uh, not, I'll just give you another chance, uh, but if you repent, I'll give you another chance, and he's so kind, and he's so loving, and you really can't exhaust his grace, and we don't want to uh, try to take advantage of his kindness, but I'm just saying this, that you want to see the mood of God, you see the face of Christ. You want to know what God meant when he wrote that? The Holy Spirit will help reveal to you the face of the Lord Jesus Christ, and you carry that treasure on the inside of you, and it's, it's a treasure that will produce happiness in your life, even when there's trials and difficulties. It's a treasure that will produce a hidden joy, an inner joy, even if very difficult situations would swirl around you or swirl in the nation or wherever uh, you might be. I'm telling you what, you have treasure on the inside of you. The Holy Spirit will identify to you the face of Jesus and the truth of his word. He, Jesus is the kindest person you've ever met. I, I want to say that again because perhaps some of you have been on the planet for a while. I'm not just talking 10 or 20 years. Maybe you've been here 40 years, 50 years, 60 years, maybe 90 years. Maybe you're a uh, uh, centurion and you've reached 100. Okay, so you've been around for a while. You've probably met some nice people. But here's the thing. Jesus is the nicest person you'll ever meet. He's the kindest person you'll ever meet. And when you read the scriptures, you'll see the face of Jesus coming through. You'll feel the heart of God, that love and that compassion. So verse 7 again, but we have this treasure, that treasure being the knowledge of the glory of God. We have this treasure in earthen vessels. This is your earth suit that you're wearing. You are a spirit. You have a soul and you live in a body. Your, your, your body is like uh, a house. It, it's, it's like a, uh, a space suit that an astronaut would wear who has to go into outer space. And so your body gives you the ability to walk upon the planet and uh, engage the physical world, but it is still an earthen vessel, 
and your body one day will be enclosed with immortality. Wow! You will have an eternal glorified body with phenomenal vision and uh, an unending uh, uh, stamina and endurance and strength, completely pain-free, and, and it's going to be glorious. So everything, look, everything is getting better and better and better for the believer. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. We are imperfect. We can make mistakes. We can have bad hair days. Uh, we can have days where uh, our bodies don't quite feel too good. We can have some aches and pains. We can have some bumps and bruises. But nevertheless, even in these uh, physical frames, uh, even in this earthen vessel, we still carry about this treasure, which is the knowledge of the glory of God. And we can, we can share it, even, even though we're flawed. We can share it with those that don't know Christ. And they can certainly see, well, to God be the glory, because God's awesome, but he, he works through uh, uh, the people that, uh, that are very... Um, we're very fragile in so in so many ways. We we can make mistakes. We can we can share the love of God with somebody, and then turn right around and drive away and get upset uh, uh, in a traffic situation that we maybe think the traffic's not moving fast enough. We're all frustrated, and mad, and then just a few minutes earlier we were sharing the love of God with somebody. Well, my friends, uh, this great knowledge is in earthen vessels and it really glorifies the lord uh i think it, it's so remarkable that you know uh people say sometimes that uh, well i was turned off from god because i saw the way the church acted as if the church is going to act perfect as if just because we're god's people we're going to be accurate and correct and do everything right and do everything in love 100 percent of the time hey we're saved and we're washed with the blood of jesus but no the church is not perfect the only perfect person was jesus hallelujah so a lot of times people say things but they're just they're just excuses for why they really don't want to serve god and uh, yes uh, we need to be a good witness yes we need to live lives that glorify the lord but even when we do our very best, we are still in an earthen vessel, and uh, we are saved by the grace of God. Hallelujah. Feels good. Now, verse 8. We are hard-pressed on every side, yet not crushed. You think about the Apostle Paul, a man that had tremendous revelation, wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. You would think this guy had his act together all the time, that he never had a down moment. Uh, sometimes uh, we portray certain saints uh, as being almost like uh, superhuman, like they never got upset or they never got agitated because they didn't get enough sleep or, you know, they never had uh, a, a time where they ran out of patience. They were just always in the spirit all the time. And that's not true. The only person who was in the spirit all the time was Jesus. <laughs> oh, praise God. You know, it's good to be human. And uh, you need to you need to enjoy your life and realize that even as you're endeavoring to seek God and walk with God, uh, you know, Pastor Stephen, I want to walk with God like Enoch. Well, Enoch was human, uh, and Enoch had to uh, go to the restroom, and he also had to take a bath. And if he didn't take a bath, he's not going to smell good. And so he's human, just like all the rest of us are. And I know that he was translated to heaven without dying, so he had a deep spirituality. But as long as you are in this earthen vessel, okay. Uh, made out of clay, made out of dirt, which will go back to the dirt one day. 
My friends, we are on a continual journey into the perfection of God. And when the New Testament talks about perfection, the real fullness of that word in the Greek, the meaning is actually maturity. I don't think we can ever reach a place where we are just perfect all the time. I do think that we can come into maturity. Yes, where the fruit of the Spirit is highly developed in our lives of love, joy, peace, uh, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. And we're very, uh, very mindful of the things of God. But uh, until we leave this planet, it is something that we'll always be just striving more and more towards. Praise God. We are hard-pressed on every side, yet not crushed. I can't promise you as a Christian that your life is going to be a rose garden. I, I can't promise you that all of your prayers will be answered within a 30-day period with a guaranteed uh, sign-off by the Lord that it will be done, or all the angels are going to get in trouble if they don't pull it off. My friends, the Bible says, um, hard-pressed on every side, on every side, how about that? Not just hard-pressed from this direction. How about hard-pressed from this direction, that direction, this direction, and that direction, and even some other places we can't even point to? How about hard-pressed on every side? Uh, Apostle Paul, we're having a problem over here. Are you aware of that? Yes, I'm aware of that. Excuse me, Brother Paul, but we're having a problem over here. This church is having a meltdown over here. Okay, thank you. I'm aware of that. Oh, hang, hang on, Paul. We're having a real problem over here. There's another riot breaking out. They're coming for you right now. Uh, okay, uh, we're going to have to address that situation quickly. See, hard-pressed from every side yet, yet somehow not crushed. Just keeping on going somehow by the grace of God. We're very fragile. We're in these earthen vessels. It seems like there, sometimes there could be a, a collapse. Maybe, maybe even, uh, something that's going to uh, fall apart, but somehow by the grace of God. No, it, it doesn't happen. We keep moving forward. Hard pressed on every side, yet not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Oh, now, uh, Pastor Stephen, not Paul. Not, not him. He's not, he's got so much revelation knowledge. He's not perplexed about nothing. Pastor Stephen, if we sat Paul down in a chair, he could explain to us E equals MC squared. Well, well, look, there are some things where the, the, the weights and the burdens and the trials and the difficulties got so intense. Paul was perplexed. What does it mean to be perplexed? It means, okay, uh, this is interesting. We're, we're getting so overwhelmed, I don't have an answer for that. At least not yet. Uh, I don't really see a solution for that. We're gonna, now we're gonna get one, but I, I don't have one for it yet. No, you're supposed to have the answers, Pastor Stephen, all the time! Well, you will get the answers, but, uh, you can bump up to some perplexing situations. And if Paul did, if Paul did, you can be pretty sure that you and I are going to also. Now, it doesn't mean you live like this all the time, okay? It's not like you're always pushed and strained and perplexed. But as you walk with the Lord, there can be those those moments, those weeks, those months, or seasons in your life where you just don't always have an answer for what's going on. And God's not even really supplying answers. You know, it's, it's like when you're taking a major exam, you do all the studying before you take the major exam. You study, you talk to the teacher, get as much information as you can. You correspond with your classmates, you study together. But then when it comes to the major exam, and you've got the paper and your pen there on the desk, there's no talking allowed. Well, I, 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 I uh, Pastor Stephen, I want to ask the teacher a question. No, you can't ask questions while you're taking the exam. Okay, now when the exam's over, you will be given a grade. Uh, but during the exam, no talking. 
Oh, Pastor Stephen, I don't understand. I'm perplexed. God's not speaking. Maybe you're in the middle of a big test, and God's grading. He's grading you right now. <laughs> oh, glory to God. And so what you want to do is you want to come out and you want to pass. Why do you want to pass? So that you don't have to take that course, that exam, that lesson ever again. You, you've, you've graduated on to a higher level. That's why you want to pass. So there are times when God remains quiet on purpose because you already know what you need to do. You just need to walk it out by faith, stay strong, stay uh, composed, even if you're uh, perplexed, uh, stay composed in your perplexity. Ooh, how about that for a tongue twister early in the morning, okay? So we are perplexed, but not, but not in despair. Don't, don't go into, into despair. You can be perplexed, but don't go into despair. You know, where you're like in the breakdown mode, pandemonium. I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. I'm the leading apostle. I wrote two-thirds of the New Testament, but I don't know what to do. Quick, somebody come lay hands on me and pray for me. No, no. He never went into despair. If you want to go into leadership, you cannot show despair. Whoo! Come on, let that sink into your spirit today. Pastor Stephen, I want to be anointed of God. If you want to stand into a place of anointing and authority, you must not wear your feelings on your shoulders. If you do, you're going to go through test after test until you develop something in God where you don't have those despair breakdowns. Not publicly. Now, you might want to have one privately. We, you really don't even want to do it privately. God's more gracious if it's private. But you definitely don't want to do it uh, public. God will deal with you if you have those weaknesses of character in your life. He's making a leader out of you. Oh, Pastor Stephen, I'm not a leader. Yes, you are. A leader is a person who has influence. You have more influence than you realize. Yes, you do. Praise the Lord. So, even if there's perplexity, we will not be in despair, okay? Verse 9, persecute it, but not forsaken. You are going to have persecution. Absolutely, you are. But look, God's not going to forsake you. The blessing will continue to flow. Hallelujah, and that is what is of primary importance. But persecuted, okay, but not forsaken. Struck down. Oh, it's over with Pastor Stephen. Struck down, but not destroyed. Woo! And, you know, the devil thinks, how does he or she just keep getting back up again? Because the enemy can do certain things, and maybe it appears there's a setback. Maybe it appears there's a delay. But the next thing you know, God's just pumping life back into you, and you're right back up again. Woo! Glory to God. And as long as you don't quit, you're still in the game. As long as you don't quit, you're heading towards that finish line. You are heading towards your miracle breakthrough. Praise God forever. Lord, we thank you today. Persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed. I like that. Always carrying about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus. How many of you would like to be an apostle? These are, by the way, our apostolic uh, traits. And uh, uh, there's something about the apostolic ministry that's... Um, well known, but many times also not known. Uh, it, it's like um, you stand at the front, but many times it looks like you're actually standing at the back. If you're even at the back at all, almost appears like you're not even of value. The, the apostolic ministry is very, very interesting because uh, the call to it is a very, very high calling. And the signs that go along with it are not only signs of miracles and great wonders, but there's also other things attached to it that, how can I say, 
uh, definitely inspire humility. <laughs> How many of you want to be an apostle? Okay, we know that not everybody's called to be an apostle, even if you're called to the fivefold ministry. Uh, uh, only one out of those five is going to be called to the apostolic ministry. But we're called. We're coming into a greater age of the manifestation of the apostolic. Woo! Praise the Lord. You know, when I was growing up in church, if somebody would have said, would have said there's modern-day apostles, we would have thought somehow, um, you know, there was a resurrection of the original 12, because that, that's the only thing that we could wrap our mind around concerning the apostles. But yes, there are still apostles in the earth today, and God is going to begin to place the spotlight more upon the apostolic ministry, because it is greatly needed in this hour. Always carrying about in the body the dying, the dying of the Lord Jesus. What does that mean, Pastor Stephen? Well, that means you carry this thing of the dying. It hurts. It hurts. It feels like you're dying. Sometimes the persecution, the verbal jabs, the sarcasm, the, the insults, the editorial comments that are written in ignorance, but they're written also in spite to tear down and to hurt. Those things can be very, very, um, uh, it just, it's just like, whoo, Lord, ouch. Uh, it's almost like a death. Uh, and there's a good part, there's a good part of that because it really allows you to see that many times what man esteems to be so high, what they place great spotlights upon in so many ways in the eyes of God, it's just so temporary, it's just so passing, it's just so vain. In some ways, it can even be worthless. And so the more of this dying nature of Christ, the more of the life of God begins to spring forth in you when you really see what is of value in this life, and also, of course, that which carries on into eternity. You know, when it talks about the dying, uh, the, excuse me, the body uh well, let me just read it again from the top. Always carrying about in the body, in the body, the dying of the Lord Jesus Christ. I think about the wonderful Saint Padre Pio. Now, if I'm speaking to you and you're uh, an evangelical, somebody in the uh, what we'd call the Protestant Church, I, I get for whatever reason the church got split in half. Okay, either Protestant or Catholic. Well, I'm not really Protestant because I don't really have anything to protest. And at the same time, I'm, I, I love the Catholics, but I don't attend the Catholic Church. Well, Pastor Stephen, what are you? I'm, I'm just a believer. Okay. So if there's something good from here, I'll pull. If there's something good from here, I'll pull that too. Anything that's good, anything that's from the Word of God, I want it. If you want to lump me somewhere, uh, you can just throw me somewhere, I guess, among the Pentecostals, Charismatics, or, or, or whatever. I, I'm in there somewhere. Okay. I know that even the nation of Israel was one nation, yet they had 12 tribes. So if you're trying to put me in a tribe, I guess you could put me in the Pentecostal tribe. I'm, I'm happy, but don't don't forget, I, I jump over the other tribes to visit all the time. Woo, thank you, Lord Jesus. If it's good, if it's good, but you'll be seeing Pastor Stephen over there. Now, always caring about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus. I, I like the ministry of Padre Pio. Now, he's he's been off the earth for years now. He died decades back. But uh, the thing about him was he was what we would call one of the saints that lived in a more recent time. You know, a lot of the Catholic saints, you know, they lived 400, 300 years ago. It's kind of hard to connect with them because it's so long ago. It, you know, do we even have a picture of them? Well, so, sometimes there, there are pictures and things like that, but you feel like with some of them, you can't even really get to know them because they lived so long ago. But Padre Pio was uh, classified by the Catholic Church as a saint. 
meaning somebody that had an exemplary walk with God, uh, a ministry that was noted with signs and wonders. But he talked about the time that the Lord Jesus blessed him. Can I use the word bless? Blessed him with the stigmata. And uh, as Padre Pio said it, in many ways, it felt like a curse. But see, it was a sign. It was a sign and wonder that manifested in his life all 50 years of his prophetic ministry. Now, he lived much longer for, uh, than 50 years, but he carried the stigmata for the part of his ministry uh, uh, that was a prophetic ministry. He was actually a prophet, and uh, he had he had the uh, uh, holes in his hands, and they, they would just bleed uh, just like Jesus did with the, the, you know, the spike mark from the imprint of the nail. And so he had, he had the nail marks in his hands and he had the nail marks in his feet and he had the, uh, the bleeding, uh, uh, hole in the side. How about that for a lot of loss of blood every day? And the thing that Padre Pio said about these, these marks that the Lord blessed him with is he said they caused him so much embarrassment. You know, it's not, it's not like everybody says, Ooh, that's spiritual. Ooh, that's wonderful. That's a sign from God. No, you had a lot of people that said he's a fake. You know, he's, he's pouring acidic acid, uh, to make these birth, to make these, uh, blood wound marks appear. You know, he's a con man. He's a fraud. And, you know, he was investigated by the Catholic Church, uh, and all kinds of tests were done on him. And, and really science had no explanation for it. Even after study after study, research after research, it, it was just genuinely a sign from God that was manifesting through him. And I've seen other ministers have a different type of uh, signs. You know, when A.A. Allen was under the anointing real strong, a cross uh, would appear on his forehead right there. And, uh, you know, whether it's William Branham that had the classic picture of the halo image caught over his head. Um, but, you know, and even other ministers uh, that have physical signs and wonders that follow their ministry, sometimes even manifested in their bodies. Uh, it's not like everybody thinks that's great. A lot of a, pe a lot of people, even in the church, they're going to say that's occultic, that's of the devil, and uh, it doesn't matter what the Lord does to try to bear witness to his people and to the world. You're going to have some that just say, oh, that's not of God. And so, yeah, for Padre Pio, for him, it was, he said it was a great dying. It was like he was dying because uh, people just criticized him. Now, a lot of people loved it and said that's definitely a sign from God. But others, it was just like to them, they were just so turned off by it. And they said, oh, that's, that's of the devil. And so for him, he had a great difficulty going through that, that time of dealing with this blessing from the Lord. Ooh, hallelujah. How many of you would like to have something like that? Well, Pastor Stephen, that'd be wonderful. Well, it might be wonderful until you go to change your tie and you get blood all over your shirt. It might be wonderful until you go to your Bible and you turn your page. Now you got blood all over the, your Bible, okay? And so you just think about living with something like that 24 hours of the day, every day for 50 years. <laughs> Well, they have to wash the gloves. Your fellow, uh, your you know, the fellow priests, the fellow monks have to come and take your gloves and your socks and wash them every day because of all the blood that's in them. And so uh, it, it was something that that touched the world. I mean, at his funeral, over a million people attended his funeral. But at the same time, it was something that was very, very difficult for him to 
bear. Always caring about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus. And I believe Paul, the apostle, also had many things attached to his life. He was just like, Lord, how can we say the statement, Lord, this is just killing me. And the Lord's like, yes, it is. It's killing all carnal, fleshly things that are not of me. It's just absolutely, uh, uh, it's absolutely evaporating the pride of man. Yes, it's killing me. Yes, it's just absolutely killing uh, my self-image of having it all together. <laughs> oh, it's glorious. It's glorious. And it's something that the apostles understood very, very well that you're not going to be Mr. GQ. You're not going to be the role model of the next James Bond. You're not going to, quote, have it all together. You're going to have a lot of bloops, a lot of blunders, a lot of inherent weaknesses that unless you lean heavily on the Lord, you're going to collapse and fall. Woo! God intentionally chooses those that have great weaknesses and he calls them to carry special gifts and anointings and graces to the body of Christ and to the world, even to the unbelievers, so that the glory will not be in that person, but the glory will be expressed through Christ working through that earthen vessel. Oh, praise God. Always carrying about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our body. So the dying produces the life of Jesus and you just get so happy. You're living for the Lord. You're not distracted. You're not, you're not caught up in dumb things. I, I, there are things we have to do, but you're not caught up in things that are just vain and foolish, but you're caught up in the heart of God and nothing's going to break your orbit. Ooh, hallelujah. You got the tractor beam of heaven pulling you in just like the star Wars, the tractor beam uh, we're caught in the tractor beam. Well, with God, you want to be caught in his spiritual tractor beam. Okay, verse 11. For we who live are always delivered to death for Jesus' sake, that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. So then death is working in us, but life in you. So Paul's saying death is working in us, us apostles. That's what he's referring to, but life in you. So we're laying down our lives to do all we can so that you can be built up and enjoy the blessings of God. And uh, Paul was constantly going through that dying process. Verse 13. By the way, the more he went through it, the more of the life of God, the greater the miracles, the greater the anointing, the greater the glory. Yes, hallelujah. When we're weak, he's strong. Verse 13. And since we have the same spirit of faith. Well, we need to talk today for a moment about the spirit of faith because this is what's hanging over this attitude that Paul and the early apostolic leaders walked in. It was a very, very bold spirit of faith. So then death working in us, but life in you, leading now into the spirit of faith. Let me just touch a little bit more. So then death working in us, but life in you. You know, some of the leaders from the Chinese church, some of them that have gone through so much persecution actually escaped China and found refuge in America. And uh, through their writings and through their uh, teachings of what took place in the underground church in China, we have a better picture 
of how the Holy Spirit has been moving over there over the past decades. But, you know, they, they have uh, shared with us about the tremendous physical persecution that was placed upon them through the Chinese government. And I'm talking about torture, uh, fingernails being ripped out, body parts being torn off by those that refuse to deny Christ, years spent in hideous uh, uh, prisons being tortured and abused while they're there, and all manners of evil unleashed upon them. But as I'm saying that, understand that some of these leaders have escaped by the grace of God. They've come to America, and it was God that gave them uh, empowerment to escape. And coming to America, some of these Chinese uh, church leaders have said the physical persecution in China was incredibly uh, intense. But by God's grace, we were able to keep our witness and uh, hold to the faith. But they have said that the persecution in America, which is verbal. See, in, in the Eastern Church, a lot of the persecution is physical. You know, death threats or being killed or being tortured, or awful things being done to you physically. Uh, they they have said as violent, as bad as the physical torture was, even death at times, the persecution in the Western church, in some ways, they have said, is actually more painful. The verbal accusations, the meanness, the attacks that are bitterly done by even other believers. They uh, Many of the... Uh, Eastern Church leaders said they were blown away by the severity of the persecution within the church in America uh, of backbiting, tongue lashing. See, in China, underground, decades past, you're just trying to survive. So we've all got to love each other. We've all got to get along because they're trying to kill us, okay? But now, uh, in the Western Church, it's different. The uh, mean things that are written, the mean things that are said, uh, just can you can tear a person up with pen and paper. So, uh, in some ways, they said that pain is even more difficult to deal with than the physical pain. Well, so then death working in us. And so that that's some of that death. But life in you. Some of the things that you know now, people have gone through awful persecution to have it uh, revealed. You know, years back, decades back in the 1950s, or Roberts began to say publicly, God is a good God. Oh, now look, anybody can say that today. A Baptist preacher can say that today, and the Baptist church will say amen. And the Episcopalian church can say that, and uh, they'll all say amen. The Presbyterian church will say, God is a good God. And the members, the members will say, yes, we agree with that. But back in the 1950s, that was not the heartbeat of America. And when Earl or Roberts said, God is a good God, he was assailed with persecution. People said, how can you say that? God's not a good God. Christians said that. How can you say God's good when he's not God's good? When God, he's not good. He'll put cancer on you. He'll put your children in a car wreck. He'll do bad things to you to teach you a lesson. He'll break your leg to show you don't ever do that again. And all these bizarre uh, mindsets that a lot of the national church held during that time have now been overcome. Why? Because somebody was willing to take that that dying, that inward dying, why? So that you and I might live. 
Woo, hallelujah. Look, even in America today, even beyond Pentecostal churches, even beyond charismatic type, full gospel, Holy Spirit uh, speaking in tongues type churches, there are there are thousands upon thousands of churches that pretty much today agree God is a good God. God. Now, look, it said it in the Bible all the time, but people just thought God's not good. He's mean. He's bad. He wants to hit us over the head with a hammer. And uh, it took a while. It took over a decade for that finally to get broken and get dissolved away where we could start to think, you know, God is good. He's not only good, he's good all the time. So you could say that today. God is good. And then somebody else says, yep, he's good all the time. Well, that wasn't going on back in the 1950s. But see, so then death is working in us, but life in you. The teaching of prosperity. The teaching of prosperity has now come forth, and you can enjoy that life. Why? Because others took tremendous buffeting, tremendous persecution, so that that revelation could be brought forth to the body of Christ. When the church, for centuries, has been just quagmired in poverty, in debt, and unpaid bills, and just struggling to get by, finally revelation came forth that said, you don't have to be poor. You don't have to be broke. God wants you to be blessed. And the light began to come on. But look, those that brought that light took tremendous persecution. Why? Because the devil didn't want that revelation to come forth, so he tries to work through people to shut it down. Why? So, why? so people live in darkness and stay in darkness and ignorance of the word and the will of God. But we thank God, we thank God that there was death working in apostolic and prophetic voices so that we can enjoy the life that has now come forth through those teachings. Verse 13, and since we have the same spirit of faith, the same spirit that uh, that David had, even as you, you see the Apostle Paul quoting now from Psalm 116, according to what is written, I believed and therefore I spoke. We also believe and therefore speak. So Paul's saying, look, we've had our bumps, we've had our bruises, and we've had our difficulties, and we've had our life-threatening situations. But through it all, we've got the same overcoming spirit. It is a spirit of faith, and it's not quiet. It speaks. What does it speak? It speaks and says, I'm still here. I'm still standing God's word is still true, and I'm blessed, and God is for me, and it doesn't matter who would be against me, God is for me, and everything is going to be all right. See, it's just a, it's just a spirit of victory. It is a spirit of faith. It is not a spirit of unbelief. Do you see that? That regardless of what swirls around you, it's just an overcoming thing, and that's the thing about Paul. He just kept overcoming, kept overcoming. The devil tried to kill him. He keep overcoming. The devil tried to start another riot. He just keep overcoming, start another church, start another church, just keep going and going, write another book to the New Testament, write another book, write another book, just keep going and keep going. Look, it's the spirit of faith. It's the spirit that says, I will not quit. I will not give up. I will reach my destination. God's purpose, God's destiny for me will be fulfilled and accomplished. And that's just all there is to it. Praise God. And look, when that spirit comes on you, you want to do something. What is that, Pastor Stephen? You want to speak. Well, Pastor Stephen, you have to understand I'm shy. I, I, I'm, I'm the quiet type. I just want, I, I never want to be in front of a camera. I just want to hide underneath the bed. No. 
You have the same spirit that the Apostle Paul had. You have the same spirit that Timothy had. You had the uh, same spirit that David had. It is a spirit of faith. It is a spirit of apostolic grace that says we're overcoming. God's hand is upon our life, and we will move forward in the grace and power of God. Now, there's only two things you have to do to operate in the spirit of faith. And since we have the same spirit of faith, according to what is written, I believed and therefore I spoke. We also believe and therefore speak. You've only got to do two things. One, you've got to believe. Believe what? Believe what God said. Okay? Not what your uh, your best friend said. Not what your brother-in-law said. Not what uh, uh, that person said or this person said. Believe what God said. God's word is the highest authority. It settles all uh all cases, okay? So you believe the word. You believe the word, not only the, the Logos word of God, but you believe what God said to you. And somebody might say, well, I don't know about that. You know, the thing is, you don't have to know about that. I know about that. See, God spoke to you. So you believe what God said. And then what do we do, Pastor Stephen? Then we speak. We speak in agreement and in accordance with what God said. God says, you shall live and not die. You believe and speak. God says, you shall be above only and not beneath. I like that. I believe that. And I'm going to speak that. I believe that I'm above only and not beneath. Oh, but now, Pastor Stephen, we can't do that. That's pride and arrogance. No, no, no. That's biblical faith. That's called the spirit of faith. See, here's the thing. The spirit of faith can be so bold and so strong that people that don't know the word and people that are mousy-mousy, they actually uh, mistake it the boldness for being pride. No, it's not pride. It's just somebody that says, no, I'm not going to be defeated. I'm not going to be whipped. I'm not going to quit. I'm going to win. That's arrogant, brother. No, it's not. It is the spirit of faith. And when it gets on, those people, they'll jump up and say, praise God. God is real. We shall live and not die. We shall overcome. We shall overcome. Woo! It makes you bold. It really does. The spirit of faith, which is a dimension of the Holy Spirit, makes you very, very bold. Our men really do need to be men. We don't need to be these pansies, and uh, and we don't need to be these guys that just sit under a tree and play a guitar all day, okay? There, there, there's a place uh, for Mr. Nice Guy, but there's also a place for a man to be a man, to say, we're going to make it. Let's hold together. We're going to come through this, and that inspires faith in others. But if you have a breakdown, uh, and you're the one that's supposed to be leading, then you can have a collapse within the entire camp. So the spirit of faith comes on you. You say, no, no, no. We're going through this. We're all coming out alive together. Praise the Lord. And faith is infused into the hearts of others that are around you. And that's the person that you are. That is in your, that is your inheritance. We have the same spirit of faith as the giants do. You get the same spirit of faith of Paul, same spirit of faith as Padre Pio, same spirit of faith as Moses, as all of them. You have the same spirit. You're going to make it. You're going to reach your destination in Christ. You're going to be the person that God wants you to be. Heavenly Father, I pray for those that are watching today that they walk out daily this two-step principle of believing and speaking, that that which they believe, that which you have spoken into their hearts, those promises, that they believe it and speak it every day, particularly in the morning. Father God, let that grace stick as a reminder. Believe and speak 
believe and speak, believe and speak every morning. Let it be imparted into your people that they do it every morning and then throughout the day as your Holy Spirit would remind them. Father, we thank you for this. We thank you for the spirit of faith being strong in us. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. All right, so when you get up in the morning, which is probably... uh has only been a few minutes ago because this is morning glory. I want you to speak that which it is that you are believing God to do and say, this is coming to pass in my life and speak that particular thing. Just say this and whatever that thing is, this is coming to pass in my life according to the will and word of God. I believe it. It's going to happen. And by faith it's done. Okay. See, that's, that's believing and speaking. If you really believe it, you're going to start to speak in agreement with that. Hallelujah. Glory to God. My friends, till next time, you stay strong in the word, strong in faith. For more information about the ministry of Apostle Stephen Brooks, visit our website at stephenbrooks.org.